0: Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain podcast where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive, too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout... I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. Hello everyone, welcome so much to the Boardroom Brain Podcast today. I am thrilled to have our incredible guest on today. I can't wait for you to meet Andrew Dador. He is a graduate of UCLA where he studied biochemistry and theater. Though his dream of becoming a neurosurgeon didn't become a reality at the time he desired, he found himself working in clinical research at Stanford. And after a summer of working in the lab, he found himself craving a bigger audience and a more energetic industry. So he took an opportunity at Google in ad tech, spending four years working with Google's largest advertisers as a solutions consultant for Google display ads. After four years of challenging work, he decided it was time for yet another flavor of work. And so he began to work at a Michelin star kitchen in San Francisco at Rich Table. He worked through the ranks and and left the restaurant as their pastry chef, moving back into the tech world in a vegan and whole 30 chef role at Dropbox. Though he holds cooking very near and dear to his heart, Andrew returned to the tech industry as a customer success manager at Adobe. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So excited to have you on.
1: Thanks, Dr. Lauren. I'm really excited to be here. Really excited to share. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, let's dive in. So, you know, I love to feature guests who've had really interesting and bold careers and yours is absolutely included in that. So tell us currently about the work that you're doing at Adobe and then we'll backtrack into your whole career experience. But I want to hear about what you're doing at Adobe currently.
1: Sure, that sounds great. Uh, So I'm currently um, a senior customer success manager. So the way that I like to kind of explain that to people is um, I'm kind of between sales and product Um, And I get the the most time with the customers. So I get to be outward facing. Um, I'm almost like a professional storyteller. I get to sit down with customers figure out what they're doing with our software and prove business insight and value realization. So there's really no burden of making a sale, but I really just get to commit completely to understanding what they're doing, what their goals are. um, If they have any feature requests or blockers with the software, um, I get to relay all of that back to sales and back to product.
0: Nice, nice. Well, and that's what's so great about Adobe. It's so versatile. Like I'm sure there's a lot of creativity with your job of seeing what's gonna be most helpful for different customers.
1: Hundred percent. I really like the creative, um, you know, ability that I have in this role. It's it's you're encouraged to think outside of the box. Um, Of course, there's a checklist of things that we can go down with any uh, customer, but sometimes it's just in the spur of the moment you have an idea and you have a a route that you want to take to to kind of get that gold dust um, to sprinkle on top of the story and and move forward.
0: I love (laughs) how you phrase that. Even now, you sound like a patient (laughs) sprinkler. Gold dust. I love that. I love that. Well, and one thing we were talking about really exciting with Adobe, they're doing a lot of partnerships. It sounds like with a lot of K K through 12 schools and colleges as well. Um, and I'm curious, you know, you grew up with Adobe in school. You were telling me, I know I did as well. I'm curious to hear about how you're growing up with the software shaped your experience with it now as an adult working for the company.
1: Totally. I, I love that question. Um, <clears throat> For me, you know, Adobe has always been synonymous with online learning. Um, you know, Acrobat, PDF, a lot of their creative tools. Uh, so I, I grew up at a time when the internet had just come out. Computer classes were just being introduced into elementary school. Um, shout out to Ultra Key if anyone remembers that, <laughs> right? Uh, so I would always look forward to you know computer class just because I was able to kind of connect with something in a different realm, I I suppose. Like I've always been into visual art as well, but um, learning it on a computer, kind of having a machine make these decisions for you and help your ability to discover the lesson plan or really just prove to your instructor that you have a good grasp on the material, that was all new to me and I really enjoyed it. So when I applied for jobs at Adobe, um, I actually made a point in my cover letter to bring that up. I said, uh, you know, I just I hear the word Adobe and I automatically hear the whizzing of the computer, the hard drive trying to open up the, the really huge program. And I, that was kind of like an exciting um, sound for me to hear, just like I kind of knew that the rest of the day was going to be really, really fun and adventurous. Um, so today they, you know, I, we have an entire branch of my uh, my organization, Customer Success, who works with um, elementary schools and colleges and the entire educational institution, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really interesting because those, those customers really need um, like a dedicated customer success manager to understand exactly what their end users who are students are going through and students have some high demands and they should be met. So I'm really, really proud of my um, colleagues who work in that area as well.
0: Yeah, oh, you're giving me so much nostalgia right now, Andrew. All the millennials—we're all going to be thinking back to going to computer lab. Oh yeah, learning how to type <laughs> and and all of those things. Yeah, uh, totally. I don't know if I should feel old in this moment or feel like we got a head start. Maybe a bit we're
1: young. No, the- wow, this is shout out to the young ones. <laughs>
0: I know. Well, I, you know, one thing I love to talk about with guests we have on the show too, you know, as a psychologist, I'm super passionate about making sure our companies today are really incorporating wellness in the workplace and I'm curious how it's been for you these last few years. We've all obviously gone through the pandemic. I'm curious how it's been at Adobe in terms of what you're seeing in terms of wellness services provided, creating a culture of really caring about the whole human being. Tell us what that really looks like, being an employee at Adobe.
1: So I have to say it is incredible. Uh, I have never experienced something this genuine, like real care for employee and, and wellness um not to slam other companies i think everyone's doing exactly what they can um i i had four years at google i honestly i think adobe this experience is a little better maybe just because of the of the pandemic but um you know our and the entire organization has given us global days off just for well-being they understand that working at home is um it's it's different it's a different experience and I'm really lucky. Like, I I have the place to myself. It's just me here. And there's no distractions. But there's countless other employees who have families, have children running in and out. Their partners are working the same demanding, if not more demanding jobs than they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So having days off to kind of just step away from it and, yeah, just come back into it, super important. Um, I think in 2020 and 2021, there was at least one Friday off every month, um, which is incredible just to have that look forward to. <clears throat> and um, I'm a huge fan of their uh, unlimited PTO model. I mean, I, I just came back from, I spent a month in Paris uh, between uh, <laughs> January and February. I okay. didn't take much time off. I only took five days off when I was there. Um, but just the fact that I could do my work in another environment uh, and literally have it not be interrupted It was actually one of the busiest times of my career with Adobe that, that month mm-hmm. um, but just you know waking up somewhere else and, and getting the work done uh, it really made a huge difference So there's just unlimited resources uh, there's always something on the calendar for you to, to dial into and learn more about um, all the wellness resources that they have.
0: Oh that is so cool. I love that concept of like, Oh, just jet off to Paris for a little bit and still get your work done that you need to do. But who knows? Maybe you're having a a coffee and a croissant and a cafe (laughs) while you do a little bit of work. Or like 100
1: coffees and like 100 croissants.
0: (laughs) that's more accurate that's more accurate <laughs> i love that i love that well shoot now i may have to do some therapy in paris with clients who knows who knows oh absolutely i love it i love it well and you have had such an incredible journey you know just reading your bio from being a theater major and then working in tech thinking you wanted to be a neurosurgeon then becoming a pastry chef like what what a journey and going back to tech I'm curious, tell us more about that path for you and and what's been surprising along the way in that?
1: Well, I can start with the the, the last part of that question. What's surprising to me is um, just the fact that I've been able to put myself out there. I I never really was like that as a child. Um, I was a little more, I was kind of the odd one out. I was different. So I kind of just wanted to follow through to what a lot of other people were doing. And I would compare myself a lot to like, okay, these people are becoming doctors, these people are becoming lawyers, engineers. So I felt very tied to that path. But then when I kind of found my own voice um, and I accepted that I am just as unique as anyone else or I have something to offer, I was able to kind of push through and just be more confident in, in making those huge swings. So I guess, you know, starting with like in, in college, just uh, having a minor. So I, I was a minor in theater and my, my major was biochemistry. I always, really craved having like a balance. So the biochem was very like head down in your books and competitive. But then the theater was just like, okay, you can express yourself any way that you want to here. There's a lot more creativity. Um, And it's the people that you meet like day and night, you know, the the instructors, the professors, the students. Um, I I think that was a big part of it for me. And, And then that theater outlet kind of Awoke, awoke my <laughs> my soul to the fact that I, I love big audiences I Yay. I do like to um kind of like soak up and, and kind of like re-emit the energy that I get from a from a large audience so mm-hmm. you know working in a lab is very like it's just yourself and you're repeating the same experiment over and over again high failure rate totally normal um and I enjoy the work but I just didn't enjoy the solitude as much mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so I think just the fact that I was able to kind of like read myself um and then weave what it is that drives me to succeed into my career kind of led me to where I am now um so I can touch a little bit more on like how I went through that um
0: tell us about about the process of switching to becoming a pastry chef, like that is such a jump. I'm sure people will be curious to hear about how do we go from tech to pastry chef? I love it.
1: Sure. I've told this story so many times, so I've got a good like uh, <laughs> a short version ready. Uh, so basically my, my father went to culinary school when I was uh, about 11 years old. and he, He's a landscape architect, so he's also kind of the mathematical science mind plus a creative soul um so I was 11 it was formative age and I would wait for him to come back from from school and he would sneak back like whatever bread he made you're not allowed to like bring things home uh and then he would just teach me and tell me all about how it's made uh and then he's opened his own private chef business and I kind of helped along with that when I it was, this was like 2004. I was 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've, you know, I found that I had a penchant for cooking. I never really thought much about it. Um, and then after four years at Google, I was pretty burned out. I was kind of tired of the competitive challenging environment and wanted to dial back into this creative side. So I was living in San Francisco, uh, in the same neighborhood as this restaurant rich table. And I had this amazing experience there. Um, and I went back, um, after having that meal and I just poked my head in the kitchen, I said, Hey, I'd love to be an apprentice like two hours a week. Just, I've never done this before thinking about, you know, cooking professionally. Wow. Uh, and then the head chef said, well, it's called a stage. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So <laughs> it's basically a, a, like a one day, um, 10 hours. It's like an audition in a kitchen. They just assess your skills. They see how you work with others, how you take, um, you know, demands and and uh, all the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing on me that he's like show up tomorrow with your chef coats and your knives and i was like don't have that don't have that um so my my dad actually overnighted me a brand new set of knives and a chef's coat because he was so excited for me Um, i walked in feeling pretty good the first thing they asked me to do was to cut chives like an entire quart of chives really thin they're like you know it took me at least an hour um, the first time to do that uh, so the, the night went on and you know I thought this is normal like maybe the, you know they they asked me to sit down at the bar after and they fed me like an entire seven course meal and I thought oh this is just their way of saying thank you for like the free labor. I didn't know that that meant like there's like there's good news coming like we're you know we're impressed and like we didn't ask you to leave. So at the end of the night the head chef asked me to go downstairs. And he said, what are you looking for again? I said, just two hours a week. You know, I don't want to like burn the place down. And he said, how about a full-time job um, starting tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I, I, I didn't really turn back. Um, I had been on like uh, a leave of absence just for a few weeks from Google. So I went back, wrapped up my projects and worked as a chef.
0: Oh my God. Wow. That is like something out of a movie. That is amazing real- <laughs> story. I love that. Well, and I hope as people hear it, you know, the sense of you've been able to change and people have welcomed and accepted those changes. You know, I think a lot of times people think, well, even if I make a change, people, employers won't be open to it. They'll think I won't have enough experience. And it's such an example of, Hey, if you put yourself out there, you never know what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. I, a lot of people are afraid to have a resume that jumps around a lot. And, you know, I'm all about moderation. I think it's really healthy to try new things, mm-hmm. um, but also to show commitment. Like, I'm one of those people who doesn't really want to put it on my resume if it was under a year, but that's, that's, these are all like guidelines. They're not hard rules. Mm-hmm. Um and in the end, like life is for living, you know, jobs and everything else is ancillary. You, you have to listen to yourself because that's going to be the strongest version that's going to show up, especially at work um, mm-hmm. and open up all these new doors and experiences. So
0: oh, that's the podcast quote right there. I think <laughs> that's, that's fire. I'm curious, Andrew, what what would you say looking back and looking ahead to what's the secret to your success with all this?
1: I, that's amazing to hear because I, I still feel like I'm figuring it out myself. Um, but for me, it's been confidence. Um, I I heard a quote a couple years ago that changed my life, and it was, uh, "Confidence is not they will like me. It's I'll be okay even if they don't." I really love that. <laughs> I
0: love that too. I love that too. Oh my gosh! Say that one more time. I want people to like really <laughs> marinate in that.
1: Sure, sure. So confidence is not, they will like me. It's, I'll be okay, even if they don't.
0: That Oh, is, we all need that message, I think, right now, especially when we're so inundated with social media all the time, and we're so seeking that approval from others. It really Mm -hmm. is that internal sense of self that's grounded enough that we don't need that constant approval from others. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like it's like a bucket with a hole in it when you're living for people's approval. It's never yeah. enough, you know, so. That's
1: great. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah. and you know, we talk a lot about resilience on this podcast. No one typically has this like total linear trajectory in their careers. The road is bumpy sometimes. And <laughs> I'm curious for you, you know. If you're open to sharing about a time that you've experienced challenge or or just more broadly speaking and how you've been able to find your own resilience to grow through your own hardships in your career.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm no perfect soul. I've had very tough days. I've had tough months. Um, a lot of the time, uh, I lean on my loved ones for support. I, I just have to remain open to, um, to my network and not i'm not talking about like a professional network i'm, I'm talking about chosen family biological family all of that. Because um, there, yeah there's been times when i've just wanted to turn everyone away and i'm just so focused inward on the struggle that i'm going through and I forget there's people who've been through this and worse. Um, so. I, yeah, you know, before the pandemic, before like I left Dropbox in November of 2019, and that was my, my decision to leave, um, for myself and just to leave that industry, like, like the cooking industry, mm-hmm. uh, little did I know a pandemic was on the brink. So, and I put all these, you know, really tough, uh, restrictions on myself. Like you're going to find a job in a month. You have to start by this date, blah, blah, blah. That's not how it works ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I started getting interviews and then offers were being pulled listings were being pulled all because of the shutdown. And I, I I got to a pretty dark place, like really just not wanting, I wanted to give up and I was like 30. (laughs) So now I look back on it and I'm like, no, that's, uh, that was just a weak moment in my life. But I, yeah, I I opened myself up to family and, and loved ones and they, they helped me out. And then boom, I got this offer um, with a wonderful company called Workfront
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: in, in April. So it was all like, I haven't met anyone from the company to this day, maybe like one person. Uh, and, um, you know, in person, I mean, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, and,
0: sorry, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so just getting hired in the middle of the pandemic was great. And then we were acquired by Adobe in December. Um, so I, I count my blessings that there's always something bigger than you think on on the horizon. Um, that really got me through, and get, gets me to to this day through tough times.
0: Hmm. I think that is such a powerful message that tomorrow's a new day. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, coming up and and really starting to reframe when things don't go exactly right. You know, I see that happen for a lot of folks where you know, maybe they make a decision in their career, they take a leap of faith, doesn't always work out like they're hoping. And I find so many times, you know, people see it as like a, a quote failure, but really it's it's just a learning opportunity. It's all a building block in the process, you know, and yeah. hearing for you, like all of these different experiences for you have brought you to this place where you are now.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think another really important factor is living in the moment, which is so hard. Um, the times that I felt low, it was, it wasn't that moment that felt hard. It was thinking about the past, like where I've been and like where am I going to be. That just made it so much worse. But if I had just focused on the moment and counted my blessings and practiced gratitude, huge difference. I think that's another thing that I wanted to mention is gratitude. Like you know, you know, you could be out of a job, you could be waiting for leads, you could be waiting for a phone call, whatever and it the whole day just goes by and you're like well that was a terrible day because i didn't get a job offer i didn't get a phone call blah 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 but like what about your health what about your home what about your friends what about all these things just brings you back right into the moment
0: yeah oh that is so so true that gratitude piece is so important and and i the way i think about gratitude you know because there's such a talk around toxic positivity right and like you know we just focus on you know, too much of the good, but I really think gratitude is about just broadening the perspective. Like you can still hold pain and hardship in your life and at the same time, still mm-hmm. look for the good that's happening at, the, at that moment. Both can coexist together. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'm curious to hear for you and your own personal journey, how you incorporate wellness in your life day to day? Like, what are some of the things you do, your secret sauce, if you will, that helps you incorporate your own mental health?
1: Uh, well, like I said, the gratitude, number one, for sure. I try to write three things down as soon as I wake up, that I'm grateful for.
0: Um,
1: And then another big part for me is like mental health starts for me with physical health. Um, And I, I love exercising for at least an hour every day. I know it's like, it's probably really tough for other people with more demanding jobs or with families and all that. But um, I, I never really exercised in my life until the beginning like until I moved back down to Southern California so in the middle of the pandemic I was always that person with a a get out of PE class pass Mm -hmm. like you know I I was not interested in team sports or individual whatever um but I moved down here and I joined a CrossFit gym plugged to CrossFit and this (laughs) this gym
0: I love it yeah I
1: gotta I gotta say it um this gym is incredible beach cities, fitness um, They are across the street from me. I actually chose to live here in Dana point because of that um, because of that gym. I looked for places like walking distance um, and I took my sweet time looking for a place. So getting the endorphins, getting my blood moving, um, being in a part of a community is so healthy and important.
0: Mm-hmm. It's,
1: it's hard for people living um anywhere in rural suburban or like huge cities to find real strong community Mm -hmm. um it's like it's kind of a responsibility to take on because everyone's problems or or celebrations become part of your life too which is part of what community is like that's how you strengthen um and that's how you kind of just become a more diverse group of minds and and bodies so Mm -hmm. uh I, i i can't stress enough that like how good I feel after working out just one time a day um, it really just like it splits the day up it yeah. gets the blood moving it, it really it really helps yeah
0: that's so awesome I I'm the same way with class pass that, that'll be my shout out uh, yeah. you know, trying different studios and it's one of those things I don't know about you sounds like not now but maybe before you know when things get busy exercise at least for me is like the first thing I'm cutting off the list, which is so bad because that's when we need it the most. Right. Um, So I am recommitting. I'm claiming it here on the podcast. (laughs) I'm sore today from getting back at it. But you're so right. We do feel so much better mentally when we're taking good care of ourselves physically. And it's fascinating to me, pretty much every guest that we've had on the podcast so far, in terms of a wellness routine, almost everybody says that they exercise about an hour a day, at least oh. you know, a few times a week. Um, and okay, follow-up question for you, because a lot of people have like a specific time, they tend to do it too.
1: Mm. Are you
0: a morning, afternoon, evening, night? Like what's your preference?
1: I am what is called a nooner. A nooner. I go to noon. So my, my lunch break is, um, is it's perfect because there's not many meetings. Most people are, you know, mm-hmm. taking that hour off to eat. So I go at noon. Yeah.
0: Oh, I like that. You know what? That's more palatable to me because so many people are like "I wake <laughs> up at four thirty and go to the gym at five. I'm like, I am not in the, on that team. I wish I could
1: be, I like, wish too. I do. Yeah. That's a, that's a wish I hold for myself. But I mean, I think I went to 7am class one time and everyone was like, Hey, Andrew, are you going to like pick up that barbell? And I'm like, what? I was asleep. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
0: You're like, I'm physically here, I'm not mentally right. here right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to watch the Today Show in the morning with my cup of tea, please. And then we'll get okay. to the workout later. Yeah. <laughs> well, and last question I have for you today. No pressure. This is kind of a biggie. What do you hope your legacy will be, Andrew?
1: That's a big one. Um, I used to think about that a lot in uh, in my early years, Um I actually used to want to be like famous Um, now that I've seen what fame can do to people. It's not really for me, but I, honestly the first thing I can think about is like, I kind of want my legacy to be like, I just, maybe like a discovery that I made Um, Mm. like something that's just gonna help propel like humanity forward. And that's kind of been Uh, The goal when I, in in all the years I dedicated to scientific research was, it was such an expansive opportunity, like infinite possibilities. You know, you could make a discovery at a molecular level for the tiniest gene that could cure cancer or, or have some huge impact like that. Um, So it was like a whole universe of opportunity. And I haven't really let go of that. It's a little bit more difficult in the tech industry because things aren't as tangible, and I'm not working on the you know like a computer science side, which I think is fascinating and huge. Shout out to everyone who's who's dedicated a lot of their life and and time and studies to computer science. Um, <clears throat> but legacy, it's like uh, maybe maybe this is it, Lauren. Um, alchemizing your own happiness I think that's something that we all need to learn how to do um obviously the book The Alchemist is like super popular a lot of people have read it I'm sure if you haven't go read it uh I think there's kind of there's multiple routes to go in life and recently I've uh I've been in a little bit of like a spiritual um rut where I've I think spirituality is really important for everyone, however they define it. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of get too focused on that, you forget what power you hold in your inside of yourself to you know to reroute your life or to to open your heart or your mind to other feelings. So spirituality, for me, kind of became a crutch in the end. Like, oh, I'm healing from this trauma. I'm going to learn through it. Um, I'm growing. These are growing pains. It kind of just made me a little bit too passive. So as a legacy, I think if everyone is able to dial into what, what their strengths are and then put them together, like, like a cocktail <laughs> or a recipe um, and, and use that to kind of just like feed your soul, I, I would love to be the, you know, the reason that people do that. And I, I, I try to live that every day, just when I meet people, new people, um, friends, you know, professional, um, colleagues, all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I do hear a lot that I'm like, I'm just like a really happy person. And it's, it's great to hear that because there's moments where I don't feel that way. Um, but I, I do hope that, you know, for the rest of my life, no matter what I'm doing professionally or for fun, I, that I'm able to exude that, like that little spark to like be happy, just, yeah take that on. Oh,
0: that joie de vivre. Yeah. I said, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
1: French. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> we had to throw it in a little bit with our pastry chef tie in today. I mean, <laughs> I really hear that for you, that you're not just letting life happen to you. It sounds like there's like a perfect balance of intentionality, but also an openness of how will creativity spark for me today and an openness to how your journey could evolve and not getting into this fixed pattern of, okay, here's the next step. There's a really cool openness that I sense from you um, with your journey, which I hope, I hope listeners and and viewers take that on for themselves because I think that's just such a great way to approach life.
1: Absolutely. Um, It's like, I also feel um, there's a balance between, casting a wide net and really honing in and then focusing on something deeply Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just learning at this point in my life that it's important to have a balance between those because there's some of us who are tempted to just keep trying new things and throw everything at the wall until something sticks it's a it's a good quality it's a good impetus but it can be perhaps a little bit of a A distraction to like what your true calling is Mm -hmm. and then there's others who just want to focus on something very deeply and not open up to other experiences also admirable quality and it works for a lot of people but I think the majority of people are kind of in between those two extremes and if you can just find your balance um it could really open up a lot of doors
0: I feel like we could keep talking for a long time absolutely (laughs) (laughs) Getting into philosophy and all these fun things. Oh, I can't wait for people to get to hear this episode today. I hope people have enjoyed it as much as I have. I've learned a lot. I, I whew, that, that energy, I the what did you you phrased it as uh the alchemy of happiness, right? Did I say yeah. that correctly?
1: Yeah. I alchemize love that. your
0: happiness. Alchemize yeah. your happiness. So I hope people listening to this today, we go out and alchemize our happiness. So wonderfully put. Andrew, where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and the work you're doing?
1: Um, I love to hear from people on LinkedIn. I think that's sort of my my solid uh, network for now. Um, and from there, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, share more about staying in touch. Um, but yeah, happy to to meet all these new, uh, viewers on, on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. What a treat it's been, um, pun intended with a little dessert as well. (laughs) uh, uh, We wish you so much wellness. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks so much, Dr. Lauren. It was really great to be here. (laughs) Take good care. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the Boardroom Brain Podcast. Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well. If you'd like to experience this conversation visually, I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. Here's to fostering those healthy brains, both in the boardroom and beyond.